we frequently talk about it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, it's very important to gradually return to your sport, especially if you've been out of it for a long time. We've definitely seen an increase in sort of overuse injuries, honestly, from patients who are sort of going back into their sports too fast, too soon, and then are getting injuries then having to come out again. Sometimes it's helpful both as former athletes, but also just as their physician to remind them that we're trying to help them be an athlete for the rest of their life, not just this one particular season. Welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk, where some of the brightest minds in healthcare help us break down the latest news and developments. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle, and today we're talking about youth sports and summer camp, getting back into the swing of things. And today, our special guests are Dr. Allison Spitzer. Uh, she's a pediatric uh, orthopedic surgeon at Cohen Children's Medical Center, and Dr. Elaine Tran, who's also an orthopedic surgeon at Cohen Children's Medical Center. One of the things that we're seeing now is that, you know, outdoor, and we saw this last year, right? Outdoor activity seems to be safer. So as kids return to sports, what should parents, you know, maybe, you know, think about and, and to keep their kids safe and, and what should kids do? So I think um, there's a lot of different factors that go into answering that question. And it's definitely um, an individual decision with the parents and the child themselves. Um, you know, some of the things that they talk about, you know, for CDC guidelines and also with the um, American Academy of Physicians or pedi uh, pediatricians is to look at the type of sports. So are they going to be just indoor? Um, so some of the sports like ice hockey or wrestling, they have a higher risk of transmission versus if you're going to be outdoors or if you're playing an individual sport outdoors, so like golfing or a single player tennis, um, obviously those those sports have a much lower rate of transmission. Yeah. And, yeah. and just to tag along with that, you know, as Dr. Tran said, ultimately we recommend, you know, the decision in order of return to play is ultimately up to the patients and their parents. And we also recommend that you take local infection rates uh, into consideration. Indoor sports, if you are going to be playing those, we do recommend maximizing the ventilation and filtration systems, as well as potentially opening windows. And then for some sports, um, you might even want to consider mask wear. Basically, depending on the sport, um, this may be a good idea, even if not during the sport, but at least on the sidelines or between games. We would not recommend wearing masks during gymnastics or wrestling or cheerleading where it could pose you know, a choking hazard or visual impairment. Yeah, these guidelines and based on where you live are changing constantly. We see that. And I guess there's a lot of things that, you know, uh, there's with everything that's happened, right? These things that we really didn't do before. But I, I'm assuming now when we're on a maybe a little league bench, there might be hand sanitizer and maybe extra masks. I guess these are good things to have and, and maybe some kids don't need them, but if to make them available. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the age of the player of the athlete is also important to consider. Younger kids may need additional help from the parents on the sideline in order to help them enforce social distancing, whereas older kids may be able to be more compliant with social distancing. Yeah, you would think that older kids may be a little more aware of everything that's happening. And, and they're maybe in a better situation because they're eligible to be vaccinated, where a lot of these kids that are in, in youth sports, younger kids, aren't eligible yet, 12-year-olds. So what What if you're a parent of a 12-year-old? What's the advice to, to make sure that they stay safe? Well, I think one thing that's important to remember is that some studies have shown that children who are less than 10 are less likely to have disease and also less likely to transmit the disease than um, kids who are older. So that's one thing that's encouraging. And then obviously, um, you know, waiting on more information about the vaccines and the current trials for um, vaccinating younger children. 
Yeah, currently the Pfizer vaccine is available for patients who are, or for you know athletes who are 12 years old and up. Um, and there's actually currently clinical trials underway for patients as young as six months of age. So definitely the, the current recommendation by us, as well as by the American Academy of Pediatrics, is to you know vaccinate your children as soon as possible in order to help protect them if they are going to be playing sports. So what is the advice to the athlete, the young athlete who does get COVID? How do they get back into the spring of things? Uh, that's a great question. So. First thing is that you have to make sure that you report it to the school and the team so everyone's aware so they can do appropriate contact tracing. And then, you know, the second thing, it, it depends based upon, you know, the severity of the symptoms for the child. And again, most kids are going to have mild symptom, symptoms or be completely asymptomatic, but they need to be um, evaluated by their pediatrician first, where they'll typically use a 14-element screening tool from the American Heart Association before they can clear you to go back to sports. And then once you've been cleared, um, you can typically go back with a gradual return to physical activity after 10 days from your positive test. And you need to have a minimum of 24 hours symptom-free of fevers and making sure that you're off of any fever-reducing medications. I did want to add one thing to what Dr. Tran had said, which is that, you know, if you did have, if you're a kid or an adult, but if you're a kid who had severe COVID, so you had that, you know, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, or you were intubated, then definitely, you know, you should have no exercise, no sports for three to six months post-recovering from that. And then you would certainly need cardiac clearance prior to returning to sports as well. For any pediatric athlete, I would definitely say, you know, symptoms certainly to watch out for would be chest pain, shortness of breath that is out of proportion to that caused by an upper respiratory infection, any new chest palpitations or syncope, you know, any of that, regardless of what time would definitely prompt evaluation by your, you know, pediatrician. So you mentioned that you were a uh, student athlete yourself. So tell us a little bit about what sports you were involved in and how it helped you to become who you are today. Absolutely. I mean, I was always very involved in sports in high school. I played varsity basketball, uh, lacrosse, and field hockey. Um, and I actually love field hockey so much that I actually went and walked on to the varsity field hockey team um, at Yale University. So that was a really rewarding um, experience for me. And it's definitely shaped my desire to go into pediatric orthopedic surgery and you know, certainly be the person I am today. Do you ever have any injuries that kind of made you take a step back or change the way you did things? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, almost every orthopedic surgeon has that, you know, one injury story that they wrote their residency application about. But for me, I had a non-operative patella fracture uh, sustained when a girl on the other team actually uh, had a direct blow of her field hockey stick to my knee. So I spent about six weeks in a knee immobilizer climbing Science Hill, uh, New Haven. So that was great. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about how sports also, too, is, is such an important part of development. And, and so, Dr. Tran, you were a ballerina. And how did that help you to, to be where you are today to become a doctor? So I think um, ballet really gave me structure because I did it six days a week and three hours a day. And so I did it pretty intensively. And um, it was funny because when I first went to college, I didn't have that same regimen. And at first I was like, what do I do with myself? How do I stay, you know, on top of my um, schoolings and everything like that? Because I, I was used to having the structure of a class after school. So I know I think ballet really just helped me to motivate myself and learn to be very self-disciplined. Being involved with sports that helps, you know, in medicine and being an orthopedic surgeon. And I also think it's nice. I'm sure Dr. Tran has this experience as well. But like having, you know, your own personal history of sport that helps you relate to your patients that are also, you know, interested and engaged in that sport. Yeah. And I think that's so important. I feel bad for some of the kids who who maybe were in their year that they were going to shine in sports for scholarships. And that's kind of a tough blow, but it is really important part of the whole, you know, getting into college and, and getting a good job. There's nothing more devastating as a pediatric orthopedic surgeon is having to tell an athlete 
who's, you know, super passionate about their sport that they have to, you know, either miss the rest of their already shortened season because of COVID-19 or, you know, ultimately we're operating in their best interest. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and since you both are orthopedic surgeons, I would assume during COVID, you probably saw a lot less injury. And now a lot of kids are going to be getting back out. And and maybe some of these kids haven't done the sport in a while. How do kids get back into sports? Are they like, I mean, maybe kids are less susceptible to injury as maybe adults who've taken some time off? I think um, that's a very good question because already I've seen a lot in the office kids who have just gone to sport and then are already suffering with, you know, a new injury or a new um, pain somewhere that they haven't had before. And so I think it's important to really practice and make sure you're warming up before you're doing anything full out. Kind of similar when you're recovering from an injury or recovering from a surgery, you got to take steps to getting back into the sport rather than just rushing into it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. You know, we frequently talk about it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, it's very important to gradually return to your sport, especially if you've been out of it for a long time. We've definitely seen an increase in sort of um, overuse injuries, honestly, from patients who are sort of going back into their sports too fast, too soon, and then are getting injuries and then having to come out again, which can be really devastating, honestly, for the uh, athlete and their family. It's hard because I think our country as a whole or the world as a whole was probably feeling a little bit glum at the time. But I certainly noticed patients who were you know, gearing up to play in college or were really excited to shine because it was their junior year when they were going to get recruited for the sport to play in college, certainly being very bummed. And then as the world sort of opened back up, you know, I definitely saw an increased enthusiasm and passion and happiness in those you know, patients. So, yeah. And Dr. Tran, how does it make you feel to see these kids get excited that they are going to be able to get back out on the field and to be able to do the things that they love? Um, It's awesome. It's an awesome uh, feeling to be able to see that because, again, for kids, you know, there's so much that comes out of the sport, whether it's playing with their friends and their teammates and the exercise or just being like really good at something that they, you know, can do. And so it's just exciting to see them get back to it. But every time I do give a clearance note after an injury, I do kind of caution them to take it easy and don't don't play a game right away just because you have this note. Make sure you kind of warm up, try things on your own and, you know, get back into it slowly. Right, because you don't want to repeat the injury. You want to be able to to build yourself up to get back to where you were before the injury. Yeah. What would you say to parents that are hesitant about their kids going back to sports because of the fear of COVID? What would you say to them, you know, about the importance of that socialization and good, you know, healthy exercise? Absolutely. I mean, there's very important both mental benefits to sports, you know, socialization, camaraderie, being with your friends again, especially after everything that we've all been through, but also important physical benefits. And these can be important for development as well. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's definitely good news that kids are able to go back to that. Um, you know, I would recommend getting your children vaccinated if they're over 12 years old and eligible for the vaccine. And if you are concerned, obviously, adhering to the CDC guidelines and the guidelines put out by the American Academy of Pediatrician of Pediatrics, um, um, and if you are worried, you know, you could stick with more outdoor sports, sports where your your children are more spaced apart um, and making sure that they're adhering to, you know, good social distancing practices when they're on the sidelines and also even when they're off the field, practicing hand washing, mask wearing when applicable, um, social distancing. And I think also just taking into consideration that, you know, the same rules may not apply to every single patient, to every single family, some patients or some or some athletes or some families might be more at risk than other families. So maybe, you know, they have a history of asthma or diabetes or, you know, any other chronic medical condition that could put them at more at risk for COVID. You know, you might want to be a little bit more careful with those kids initially. Yeah. 
And we talked about contact sports a little bit, contact sports versus non-contact sports. Um, I guess maybe some parents might want to try to pull their kids away from some of the con- contact sports and to, to be into the more, like you said before, tennis, golf. Those are really easy. So maybe we start to see some parents trying to persuade their kids to do other sports until things get a little bit back to normal. Yeah. And that might be interesting to see if there actually is a change in the sports that kids are participating in because of COVID and sort of seeing the effects of that. But yeah, I think it's, again, it's the decision that the family is having with the kid and how much the kid really enjoys that sport um, and how passionate they are about something and just really weighing the different risks and benefits of participating. And and then I think, too, if you are, you know, very devoted to a specific contact sport, trying to do what you can to kind of minimize that contact with other players. So whether it's only doing contact during actual game time and maybe focusing more on individual skills during practice or trying to minimize the amount of shared equipment like gloves or balls or, you know, you know, hockey pads, things like that. um, I think just also doing whatever you can to help. How has this whole pandemic changed what you de- you two do on a daily basis in your jobs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see a broad variety of different maladies, I guess you could say. Um, but during, you know, sort of the middle of COVID, we were really only seeing the most urgent things. Open fracture of the forearm or, you know, more, you know, urgent traumas that needed to be taken care of in the moment. And then more elective surgeries, um, you know, like scoliosis being pushed off later. And now that things are opening back up again, you know, we're seeing an uptick in those kind of uh, patients in our clinic. But certainly there's definitely been a drastic change. And then as things began to open up, we started seeing more kids, you know, pretending to be Spider-Man inside and then falling, whereas now it's, you know, the whole playing field is open. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I guess there was a lot of indoor injuries, kids kind of being cooped up. So we saw in, in, in professional sports with the layoff from COVID, a lot of injuries that came out, especially Achilles tendon injuries. Is that also the same for children as well? Or is it athletes are on a different level? So I think it depends on the type of activity that you're doing and also the age of the child, because um, the thing that's unique about kids that we deal with a lot is that they have open growth plates. And so um, the growth plate is actually an area that's weaker than bone or ligaments. And so oftentimes they'll injure through the growth plate rather than having a typical tendon or ligament injury. And so I didn't see as many Achilles tendon injuries per se, but definitely a lot of like overuse type injuries around the apophysis or growing areas in kids. And then we also see Osgood-Schlatter's disease, which is sort of a similar phenomenon, but it occurs in the growth plate at the tibial tubercle, so closer to the knee. Um, I've also seen a lot of plantar fasciitis. You know, kids have been out for the entirety of COVID, and then they're super excited about getting back to their sport. And then all of a sudden they get, you know, Seavers disease or Osgood-Schlatter's, and then they have to sit out for, you know, potentially up to another few months. So that can be uh, frustrating. Even more reason to to take it slow and ease back in until you... And one thing that parents ask a lot is, you know, if my kid goes back, as you can see how eager they are, they're ready to jump off the you know, exam table and, and play their sport. They say, you know, if my kid goes back, back are they going to injure themselves more? Are they going to do extra harm? And I always say, you know, they're not necessarily going to hurt themselves more, but they're going to just prolong the duration of their symptoms. And so that is like a really hard thing, you know, to talk to the families about because the kids want to just start playing again, but sometimes you do need to take a step back, um, even though we're just getting back into the swing of things, but sometimes you have to take a step back to allow your body to heal. Just to piggyback on that, though, I would say often it is in the child's best interest to take a short-term rest, and then that might prepare them. You know, let's say it's their sophomore year taking a short-term rest rather than 
playing through the pain that might get them all geared up for their junior year or for playing in college. Even though it feels to kids like the current season that they're in is the most important thing in the world, sometimes it's helpful both as former athletes but also just as their physician to remind them that we're trying to help them be an athlete for the rest of their life, not just you know this one particular football season. So helping to help them keep that in mind. Big picture. Yep, exactly. It's nice, too, that that professional sports are kind of back at it. So kids are kind of inspired. I mean, we have the Yankees and Mets playing right now. So it's kind of a fun time for kids. But they should have like a checklist, right, when they go out and make sure that they're they're being safe. Absolutely. So, you know, again, ultimately, it's up to a discussion between the athlete and their parents. But some guidelines that have been offered by the CDC um, would definitely include being aware of your community levels of COVID. um, And if there are increased community levels, then considering not doing maybe a travel team, for example, or not playing against, uh, you know, other teams in areas that have higher community levels of COVID, Um, trying to minimize physical closeness of players, certainly. And again, you know, sort of focusing more on individual skill skill building versus contact uh, competition if the community levels are high. Um, Definitely considering the level of of intensity of the activity. So if you have a higher exertion level, you could be at greater risk for transmitting COVID. Definitely the length of time in close contact with, you know, coaches and other players. Um, If you can reduce this if possible, this could help to minimize uh, the transmission of COVID. Again, you know, considering indoor versus outdoor sports. So outdoor sports are going to have a reduced risk of transmission of COVID. And if you're indoor, maintaining appropriate ventilation and filtration, as well as keeping the windows open, certainly minimizing the touching of shared equipment whenever necessary. I would also keep in mind, as we discussed before, the ability to to physically distance while not in play. So maintaining appropriate social distancing on the sidelines and the dugout on the bench, as as we discussed before, player age. So keeping in mind that older kids may certainly be more able to follow directions better. Um, And again, you know, I would recommend that you engage the parents, uh, you know, more so to help with enforce social distancing with younger kids. Again, I would consider the individual player risk for illness. So, you know, if a child is asthma, you might want to be a little bit more cautious with that athlete. I would definitely consider team size. So, you know, reduce this if at all possible. And you can also considering reducing the number of games in the season, um, which is something that I've seen a lot, you know, shorter seasons, um, maybe like six weeks long as opposed to 12 weeks long. Definitely limiting non-essential spectators, volunteers, visitors, again, not traveling or limiting traveling outside of the local community whenever possible. And then finally, as we discussed before, you know, off-field athlete behavior. So whether you're in the home or at school, off the field, you know, increasing hand sanitization and wearing masks when appropriate. Yeah. And I guess this is something for everybody to keep in mind, not just the parents and the kids, but also for the coaches. What was interesting that you just said is that maybe limiting the the size of practices. So maybe coaches can have, you know, half the team on one day and the other half on another day, if that works, or a different hour just to, to switch things up. So I guess everybody's involved and everybody needs to be a part of this. Yeah. And I think um, as far as limiting the sizes, that helps too with contact tracing. And also if you have to quarantine, if someone does, you know, test positive or develop symptoms, that way the entire team and staff isn't out for a prolonged period of time. We always like to end on a positive note. So I want to ask both of you, what gives you hope? And I'll start with you, Dr. Trent. What gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward? Um, I think seeing everyone sort of starting to get back to their lives, um, being able to travel again and being able to see your families, I think it's it's a positive thing. And I definitely think that people getting vaccinated has had a large impact on that. And I think that's important because, you know, during this time when everything was shut down, you you lose so much of um, so many things that you take for granted. And so it's important to make sure that you appreciate the small things and be able to spend time with the people that you care about. Awesome. 
Dr. Spitzer? Yeah, I mean, as a former college athlete, I would say that the role of sports has always been very prominent in my life. And so it's re- it's been really nice seeing kids who are also athletes sort of getting really excited and amped up about, you know, getting back into their seasons, whereas I definitely saw kids being a little bit more, you know, glum and sad about not being able to, pr- to participate in their sports, um, you know, sort of in the middle of the COVID pandemic. So I'd say they're enthusiasm is contagious and it's uh, it's a very exciting time for everybody. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Rob Hoyle. Have a great week and stay safe. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.